Episode 160, dated Thursday the 10th of May 2010, Cosplay. Their names are Alex Shaw and Tony Adkins. Alex and Tony from Digital Cowboys. Together they are the Digital Cowboys. Our friends, the Digital Cowboys. Digital Cowboys. Digital Cowboys. A dynamic duo of dynamite podcasters that deliver a show of divine quality each and every week. We just recorded uh, with the Digital Cowboys yes, right before this. Fun times. Two very, very swell chaps. The Digital Cowboys. Digital Cowboys. Digital Cowboys. I just recently appeared on the Digital Cowboys podcast. The Digital Cowboys. They're British. It was fun times because they're British. Yes. And they had the sexy accents. It's true. In-depth gaming discussion. With special guests and interesting questions. That's an interesting question. This week we're looking at cosplay, the act of dressing as a character from anime or video games. This is usually connected with fan conventions and has a particularly massive following in Japan with enthusiastic pockets showing up all over the West. To discuss it with us, we have longtime cosplay expert and fashion industry guru, I suppose, Sarah Quillian. Hello. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Sarah. Hi. You're welcome. <laughs> Now, Tony and I honestly don't know much about this at all. We were at a British convention almost exactly a year ago called MCM, which had one of the largest ever gatherings of cosplayers, uh, and 376 in total just dressed as video game characters, which was something of a world record. Now, I'm going to link to you an image of what that looked like. It's not. I think I actually saw this. I, um, I suppose if you're on the cosplay scene, you probably would have. Well, famous name. Somebody posted it, and I saw it somewhere. Yeah. Like, throw oh, it up. Really rad. To be fair, I think it freaked us out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> that is so epic. Yeah, I saw that. It's so epic. We saw several links, uh, at least one Altair, a couple of Marios, a Renoa, a Vivi, an Ulala, uh, several Soras, and a whole bunch of companion cubes, which was best of all. We saw like several people who had like interpreted the companion cube around themselves. Uh, but also a whole bunch of characters we couldn't possibly identify due to their obscurity, and they looked kind of, a lot of them looked kind of anime related, even though they were also in the video game section. Um, so as far as we were concerned, it's a curious practice carried out by enthusiasts that you don't necessarily just fall into, rather like podcasting. Uh, so this is why we've recruited you, Adela, which is your online handle, to explain it to us as much as to the guys at home, because we, we don't know anything. So basically, you're the expert. So clearly, we can't ask you to sum up the experience of thousands of people in one media-friendly soundbite, but we can at least pick your brains about why this resonates with you so deeply. So we're going to fire off a bunch of questions at you. Take as much time as you like with them. Okay. Adela. <laughs> what is your more detailed definition of cosplay? Because I think mine was incredibly amateurish there. Um, it's pretty close. A lot of people have different opinions on what it is, though. People actually get into arguments as to what cosplay can be defined as. But mm -hmm. what I feel cosplay is, is basically dressing up as anything that you're a fan of. So that extends beyond just video games and anime. You can pick movies and books and comic books and all kinds of different things like there's plenty of people who cosplay lord of the rings characters or you know song of ice and fire or spider-man things like that i consider all of that personally as cosplay just because you're in a costume and you're having fun in it does that make sense mm, okay so uh, this is just off the top of my head i'm assuming costume parties don't count if it's just like uh, somebody's like hey well, i'm doing a party everyone's going to come dress. as a robot yeah fancy dress we call it in the uk that would depend on, on the character. I mean, 
I don't really consider Halloween cosplay, but at the same time, it kind of is because you're still getting dressed in a character and having fun. But more people narrow it down to a fandom thing mm. rather than a party thing. But my friends and I, we go to parties all the time and we dress up in costumes and we don't really consider those cosplay parties. Mm-hmm. We consider those just costume balls or costume parties. So, so right. like you, what you're trying to say, Alex, is that to be a cosplayer, you need to almost do it like a professional hobby. Like there's it's a different like, level between just dressing up and you know actually putting an outfit on and really spending time getting it just right and then going out. I think it's more of just like if you're a big fan of something and you want to make the costume, I think that's cosplay. Because I think it really means more of the individual's perspective. Because mm-hmm. I've had people make costumes for, say, like somebody wants to dress up as Renoa and they want to go to a costume party as Renoa, that would be cosplay because she's a big fan of Renoa rather than somebody just going to a party store and buying one of those little packaged devil girl costumes Mm -hmm. and dressing up as that and going to like a Vegas club. Mm -hmm. I think there's a huge difference between that because usually the girl would spend her time and money making her Renoa costume because you can't just buy one of those online unless you go to you know eBay and get one of the China things and then you could do that too but you're still a fan of the character and you specifically picked this character and wanted to dress up as this character and make yourself as close to the character as you possibly can. Yeah. And I feel like that's more cosplay rather than just mm. going, oh, it's a 70s party. I'm going to dress up as a 70s character. Like that's yeah. really- So the play aspect of it, from the sounds of it, sounds like you're kind of more embodying the character rather than just going, oh, I'm going to dress up like a vampire. It's really cool. And then you just stand around going, yeah, yeah, I was doing this and that. And basically just being yourself dressed as a vampire, if you're cosplaying it, there's a little bit playing more a role. playing a role. Yeah. Uh, no. no? Oh, no. Different people choose to be different things. I personally fail at acting. I would be the worst <laughs> actress ever. So when I'm in a costume, I'm still pretty much me. Oh, right, when it comes right. to photos, I try to kind of get into the character when I'm taking the right. pictures because if I've spent all this time on this costume and I've put my blood, sweat, and tears into this costume, then I want the photography of it to actually reflect the character. So I'm going to try to make the pictures look as good as I can possibly make them so that I can bring to life this character and share it with other people. But when I'm actually in the costume and I'm hanging out, I'm just Sarah. I'm just like, blah, 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 blah. So yesterday I was at the ball. You know, I'm not like acting like I'm Eris or whatever. I'm just, I'm being me. How how much of part of cosplay is the actual... I'll say performing because you're not really acting to a part, but actually going out and letting other people see this stuff. I mean, you personally take a lot of photos and it goes up on the website, but do you actually go up and about and and to different conventions? I used to all the time when I was younger and I had the money to, but you know, now I can't really do that. So I don't, I don't really go to conventions anymore unless uh, it's a convention that wants me to go as a guest, then I'll go. But now I can't really afford to spend all my money on hobbies so i would love to be able to but i can't do that anymore and the scene has changed a lot since i first started it there's a lot more people who are cosplaying now back 99 2000 when i first heard about it and started trying to get into it it was much smaller more niche than it is now and people it was more and and a lot of people from my generation the oldies if you put it are a lot of us kind of look back on it and wish that it could be the way it was back then again because people back then they didn't get catty with each other for wearing the same costume there wasn't any drama 
about cosplay. It was like, hey, you're in the same costume as me. Cool. That must mean that you like the same thing as me. Let's be friends. Now it's like people sit there and I have to be the best this. And they make their costume and then they get all pissed off at other people for wearing the same costume. And like, for example, Sailor Moon cosplayers, I have witnessed the worst. so much <laughs> Yeah. They fight with each other so much over who's the best Sailor Moon, who has the best Sailor Moon group, da 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 And my friend Lily Alexandra and I were sitting around watching Sailor Moon, just laughing about it, and we were just like, oh, my God, we were so into this. We were so into this show, and we, were, we started joking because we were like, you know, I can imagine being somebody who wasn't into the fandom, who has no idea what cosplay is, stumbling across these people dressed up as this cartoon and fighting with each other about it. It must be the weirdest thing that anybody has ever come across. And we just thought it was the funniest thing ever because back then we were so into watching Sailor Moon and we like completely kept up with everything that was going online. And I just can't imagine what our parents must have thought seeing us watching this this cartoon and like taking it super seriously like it's massive serious business or something, you know. Because, I mean, it's just a cartoon. I, I tell you, I've just got a, an image of cosplay uh, cage fights now. Green <laughs> <laughs> versus Sailor Moon. But it's brilliant. It, it truly is. We need to make a video of that. I'm so angry. You're a better Sailor Moon than me. Drama, drama, drama. Or I hate this uh-huh. Sailor Moon because she said this. Drama, drama. I don't like her because she doesn't smile in any of her photos. I'm going to talk trash about her. Da, 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 da. And it's just like, it's such a massive high school mentality. And it's just so... It's just so idiotic because we're dressing up like cartoon characters and polygons from video games. There's no reason at all for anybody to get all like, I'm a diva, I'm amazing about it, or I'm so great at dressing up like this cartoon character that everybody should worship me. Like, really, guys? Like, like, how Lopez. old are we? Yeah, how Sarah, old are we? have you seen the film Almost Famous? Yes, a long okay. time ago. I feel like... It's 1979, and I'm interviewing you about rock and roll, and you're like, man, it's dead. It used to be alive, and now look at this music. And these girls, they eat all the steak. Uh, and it's, it's like we've, we've stumbled on the scene way too late, Tony. Yeah, but isn't it the same with games? You know, these, these kids and the, you know, the big games. And the, <laughs> they don't appreciate 8-bit stuff. Yeah. Actually, that's a great segue, Tony. Thank you. Yeah. How did you get into video games? Growing up, I didn't really have video games. I wasn't allowed to play them. My family was really, really strict, and the only time I ever actually got to play video games was when I would go over to friends' houses, and a lot of times my friends would get really mad at me because I would end up ditching them to go play video games with their little brothers. Guilty. Done that. It was so much fun, and then, of course, my mom would come get me, and I would go home, and I wouldn't have video games, but around the time when my parents divorced when I was 15, um, my mom got us a Super Nintendo. And I was like, hallelujah, I can finally play these games at my house. So I would literally turn down going to hang out with my friends so that I could sit there playing Donkey Kong Country for like a million hours or playing Zelda Link to the Past or whatever other games, F-Zero, the things that I would play on the Super Nintendo. And I would go, I was like 15, I would go next door to my next door neighbor's house, and he was 12. And I would sit there, and he had a PlayStation. Oh, my gosh. It was so epic. He had a PlayStation. Do you know you made so, his childhood? Oh, I know. I definitely did. <laughs> I know that much. He's so cute. But I would play video games with him, and we'd sit there, and we'd play Twisted Metal, and we would play the co-op tournament, and I would be outlaw, and he would do the little code so he could be minion. And we would go, and we would just, like, kill face like in the game and it was so much fun and then like 
I just, I guess, like, just got more and more into it. And then I had actually started role-playing online as, like, this character. And I didn't really know what role-playing was. I just kind of stumbled upon these people typing these weird poems, as I thought. And then I was like, oh, poems are dumb. Poems are dumb. Y'all are weird. And then some girl messaged me, and she was like, you idiot. We're role-playing. Shut up. And I was like, oh, oh, what's that? That's kind of cool. These youngsters coming into our role-playing servers. How, yeah. how old were you at this point? Uh, when I started role-playing, 13. Oh. And that's where I came up with the name Adela, because she told me, she's like, we're playing as if we're these other people. So you have to make up a character and play as her. So I was like, okay. Hang on, your parents allowed you to get access to the internet, but not yes. video games. Yes. Whoa. My 13th birthday, my dad allowed me to have an AOL screen name. And my screen name was Angel10581, and I thought I was the coolest person on earth because I was able to go on the internet for like two hours a day. And they told me I had to, you know, create a name and make who she was. So at the time, I was obsessed with Belle from Beauty and the Beast. Ah. So I basically traced a picture of Belle from my coloring book and changed her outfit a little bit and made her hair long. And I was like, okay, so her name can't be Belle. So it has to be like Belle. So I was like, Rella, Stella, Adela. Okay, Adela. That's her name. It was literally so, your third choice. It was my third choice, period. <laughs> and it lasted this long. But I played as this character, and then people kept telling me that the character looked like this thing called Eris, like, years later. And I'm like, what ah, is this Because of the parted thing? hair. Right, because she had the parted hair. But it was traces from Belle, from Disney. And I was like, what is this Eris thing that these people keep talking about? So around when I was 17, my dad finally bought me a PlayStation because I'd been pining for this PlayStation that my next-door neighbor had for years. Mm -hmm. And he bought me Final Fantasy VII along with it. And after I played that game, that was it for me. I was done. I had to play video games of my life because this is just too good to pass up. And that was that. Okay, so how does that then lead to cosplay? My nickname in high school was actually Eris because I wore my hair like Belle because I was obsessed with Belle. And everybody told me the parted bangs thing looked like Eris. And after a while, I started to know who Eris was because my dad finally got me the PlayStation and the game and stuff. Mm -hmm. So when I was about 18 and I had moved to California... My friends were going to this convention, and they came back. I couldn't go because my mom wouldn't pay for me to go. Mm -hmm. But when they came back, they had all these photos of people dressed up like characters. And I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. It was like Disneyland, where you could go to Disney and you could see the princesses there in real life. Except you're going to an anime convention, and the anime characters are there in real life. And I just thought, that is the coolest idea ever. Wouldn't it be fun to dress up as a character? next year and they said well you should be heiress because you know you look like heiress and your hair is already like that so i said okay so i spent the next year trying to make this costume i swear it took me about a year to make this costume because my skills were so bad i did not know what i was doing and the first dress that i made looked like a big sack (laughs) but after a while with my mom's help i actually managed to make the costume look pretty decent and looking back on it i have photos from the very first one that i made it's so bad but people thought it was the greatest thing ever, and I felt so happy that I was able to invoke the reactions that I did in people, because people were like, oh my god, this is the coolest thing ever, you look great, oh, you just made my day, and of course, that made my day too, because not only was I having fun in the costume, but I was making other people happy too, seeing me, so I was hooked at that point, because I thought, hey, I can always bring bring joy to these people, and I can enjoy myself at the same time, this is kind of a win-win situation. So, 
I mean, you mentioned your your mum there, and she helped you with your costume. How did they? How do your mum and dad actually feel about it? I mean, obviously, you are going out as their teenage girl, and you're dressing <laughs> up for people to look at. Which, well, you were a lot more back yeah, in the day. But it's actually straight. Remember, actually going up to that. It was the MCV. Um, MCM, sorry. MCM thing we went to. Um, we're on the train, and the the people oh, next, yes. yeah, on the, right next to us were basically <laughs> dressed up as Final Fantasy characters, and they mm-hmm. had some really low cut. Tops and bottoms on. Um, there was a Queen of Quen though from Final Fantasy IX. That that was a brave person. Yeah, to just, but, that frog uh, thing. So I mean, they were they were only teenagers, but their mum was with them, and I thought it was kind of sweet that you know, oh, this mum was like on Halloween. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cool. So I mean, how did your parents react to this for you dressing up and going out? My mom basically was really supportive of all the artistic things that I was doing, such as sewing and drawing and things like that. All she really wanted me to do was discover what I wanted to do in life so that I could turn it into something for myself. Mm-hmm. So when she saw me drawing pictures of these anime characters and these game characters and then working so hard to sew stuff, she thought, well, Sarah, you're doing really well. This looks really good. Why don't you go to school for something like this so you can turn it into a job because obviously you're passionate about it. Mm-hmm. So she always was really supportive of anything that I did creatively and then – when I decided to go to fashion school, she was really supportive of that. It was kind of like a transition, so to speak, from cosplay to taking those skills that I learned through cosplay and my fandom and turning them into something that I could use to help myself pay the bills. That seems fair enough. So ha- when you were playing Final Fantasy VII, did you actually get to the bit where Aeris died and not know it was going to happen? And uh, No. No, okay. it was ruined for me. Somebody ruined friends. it. Oh. Yeah, my friend... When I, cause, okay, so when people were talking online, oh, Eris, this character looks like Eris. About that time, I was about 16, because mm-hmm. I had been role playing as this character for about three years. And FF7, yeah, as Adela. And FF7 hadn't come out yet. But when it did come out, then people started telling me, Eris, it looks like Eris, you know, you're, you're ripping off Eris. And I'm like, no, I'm actually ripping off Belle, but okay, guys. <laughs> so. I was hanging out with this guy, Josh, who was a friend of mine in high school, and he was like, oh, I'm playing this game. It's really cool. It's called Final Fantasy VII. And I was like, oh, that's this game that people online keep talking about. What's it all about? So he's like, oh, come over to my house tonight. I'll show you. So I went over to his house that night, and we sat down in his living room to play the game, and he basically had saved memory card all of the files right before, like, any of the FMV sequences. Oh, right. So he basically showed me every single FMV sequence in the game, and then he was like, wait, there's this one. It's so awesome. And he showed me her death scene. God damn it. (laughs) Yeah, he basically ruined the whole thing. Oh. So I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Well, I guess I'll play the game anyway. And I still really enjoyed the game. It's just that nothing was a surprise. That's like saying, oh, you've never seen Star Wars before? Let me just show you this bit at the end of The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, it turns out he's his father. That might have significance yeah. if you watch <laughs> it in context. Oh, yep, now. that's what happened. Look, there she goes, the girl is strange, no question. She's strange, can she tell? She's a of any crowd. Cause I hate to some cloud. Look, she's a funny girl that's How is your family? Bonjour. Good day. How is your wife? I made six eggs. That's too expensive. There must be more than this provincial life. As it happens, both your bell costumes that I've seen at least look fantastic as well. So when did you start making other costumes beyond Eris? Probably around 2004. Oh, that's, uh, that's quite first. a long gap in between. Yeah, it was like about four years of the whole... 
Eris thing because I felt that it would be fun to just do every version of Eris that I could possibly do, mm-hmm. and people would enjoy that. So I kind of started, I guess, marketing myself in a way as this Eris cosplayer, mm-hmm. kind of like how the girls who do um, do the little the little Disney costumes for kids' birthdays. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh yeah, I'm Belle, I'm this, I'm that. Well, I was like, oh yeah, I'm. Hang on, there's a market for that. You can just go to a kid's birthday party and pretend to be Belle. Yeah, there's lots of people who actually have businesses where it's Whoa. princess business and you could rent a princess for your kid's birthday party. That's actually a really good idea. Beats yeah, the I'm hell out of a clown. What do you think you're going to Nikki? I've people ask uh, me. I can't sing, though, so. Ah. <laughs> so I would never be able to do that because I can't sing. The kids would be like, hey, can you sing? And I'd be like, ah, that's no. not such a good idea. <laughs> you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. you into singing, here goes the baker with his tray like always. That yeah, it would sound like somebody was strangling a... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You've unfortunately funny. cornered two Disney fans here, so there you go. But um, back on what I was saying about Sorry, the Eris thing, I was kind of like marketing myself in a way like, oh, I'm I'm Eris, you know, because people were really digging it, and I was really enjoying um, bringing that much happiness to other people i had a kid actually cry and hug me and say oh. really die you're really alive like how I old really, was this kid really he looked like he was about 10, 10 okay 11. Uh, had he been playing it or had he been like yeah. touching someone so no, he'd been playing he it got his head around the whole materia system and all of that stuff but didn't understand that fictional characters that well, I suppose oh, you, he just wanted a cuddle. Maybe. I mean, in all seriousness, the actual, the, you as Eris is, I suppose in the photos it's slightly different, but it is quite overwhelming because you are absolutely spot on there. So I, I feel like <laughs> a little kid might be kind of taken with that and, and maybe the, like, the life like quickly. Yeah. I guess I kind of likened it to how I feel. Like when I go to Disneyland and I see the princesses, mm. I guess I know that, yeah, that's not the mm. real princess, it's just a cartoon character, mm-hmm. but I still get really overwhelmed. Oh, God, it's Belle, it's Sleeping Beauty, you know, like all the little kids do. And I think I think that was probably what it was. It was his first convention, according to his mom. Mm-hmm. And I think that he was kind of looking at the people who are dressed as the characters as kind of like being that sort of thing, like kind of how Disney has the characters dressed up. The anime conventions had the character dressed up too. So I think that's kind of where he was looking at it. So when you're, when you're at Disney or Disney World, have you ever seen a Belle or someone else that you've actually done a really good costume of in the past? Just not really being up to scratch. I mean, I'm assuming her costume looks good, but she's just not really doing the Belle thing. Have you ever thought, you know what, I want to rush back to my room, grab my Belle dress, and we'll have a Belle off right here? That's so funny considering my friends just had a Zoolander party like Friday. (laughs) That's so funny. See, it does happen in the fashion industry. Of course. (laughs) They had a walk off right there. Everybody was dressed up as derelict stuff. It was pretty funny. Um, I I, I never really wanted to make the bell costume because I thought that the Disney bells were ugly, Mm -hmm. but. I wanted to make the costume just because I, I, ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to wear that dress. Mm. And I think that's pretty much the consensus of every girl ever who's ever dressed up like Belle or wanted a Belle costume. They just they want to be able to be in that dress. But I do not like the costumes that the princesses wear at Disney. Um, before I started designing, I really didn't know either way. I didn't really care. I just was like, oh, it's Belle. Oh, it's Sleeping Beauty. But when I got older and... I actually started looking at it. I just I, I wanted their costumes to look more like it did in the movie. I felt that 
their if their costumes looked closer to the way it looked in the movie, that they would be more believable as a princess, at least for me. And I do understand why they changed the costumes, and um, it makes sense why they would. It's just that I wanted to make my own versions, and I wanted to make them as close as I could get them to the actual film version. What do they change, bearing in mind that our audience don't know much about stitching? Um, they change the necklines on a lot because a ah, lot of the girls have cut. to move a lot, move around. Right. And like for example, Sleepy Beauty's dress, the yoke moved it up to being on top of the shoulders instead of being below the shoulders, like an off-the-shoulder dress, mm-hmm. because the girls have to be able to move their arms around because kids are constantly throwing themselves at the girls. Yes. Um, if they, they had also, a wardrobe malfunction at that point in the middle of Disney exactly. World, it would be catastrophic. Exactly. Okay. And they also make the costumes really crazy glittery sparkly you know so that it looks more exciting on stage because most of the costumes that the cast members wear out and about they're pretty much the same costumes that um the people use when they go up on stage so it has to look really like kind of theater like when Mm. it goes up on stage and also multiple girls wear these costumes so they can't be too fitted to one particular... So they're one-size-fits-all bell dresses. You just slip it yeah. on, and there you go. Yeah, all I the girls it. are pretty much, like, they all switch around. It's not one girl is bell. It's like five girls are bell. Five girls are... are That's you. tragic, because ultimately oh, it means that you don't own that role. You don't own that character. You feel no, like, you just, oh, I'm yeah, everyone. You're assigned to this character for this I'm time a princess because so I'm beautiful. Well, plus they go <laughs> those costumes every single day rather than yep. just dressing up for that one occasion. Yeah. yeah. And and I'm so assuming it gets quite sweaty like, in the Florida heat as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I like, I like the fact that we've managed to turn this podcast into us talking about dresses now. That has got to be the that first. That is a first. <laughs> and I think, I you know what, it. that's the first for a, uh, a video game podcast ever that ever. I've ever heard ever. So, <laughs> well done, Della. Well then, um, I mean, back on onto your own, yourself, rather than Disney, it's uh, back to the topic itself. Um, how many costumes do you think you've made in the entirety of your, you know, since, was it 2000, you say? 2002? Yeah. 2000, 2001, something around there. Um, probably about 35 costumes, which is not a lot in comparison to most people. Most people make hundreds. I'm just, I just, I don't know. I like making costumes, but at the same time, I have so many hobbies that I'm one of those people that can't seem to get my focus on one thing <laughs> in general. I've got, I do artwork. I love to draw, I do artwork, I play video games, I like to write fan fiction, I like to do cosplay. I mean, I do tons of different things, and a lot of that stuff takes a lot of time. So I could be totally into some video game for three weeks, and then I could spend another three weeks making a costume, and then two months later I could be working on some artwork piece, you know. So I don't really have as many costumes as other people, Mm -hmm. and a lot of times I just... I'm saying I'm going to do something, and I'm like, oh, I'm totally going to make this character. And then I just don't for no other reason than I just don't feel like drafting the pattern and spreading the fabric on the ground and crawling around, cutting it out. I just don't feel like doing it. So most of the time, my costumes came from the fact that I had to get them done, and there was a time crunch. If I don't have a time crunch, I just won't do it, period. Which uh, costumes have uh, the public been denied from volition of the fact that you didn't have the deadline? Um, There's so many costumes that I've wanted to make that I just never did, like Beatrix from Final Fantasy IX. I've always wanted to make that. One of my favorite Final Fantasy characters ever, totally unappreciated. I love her her so much. (laughs) 
In fact, my friend Julia, she's so awesome. She's actually made a Beatrix costume after the podcast. I'll show you it. Hmm? Oh, my God. She's perfect. And she's so funny. She goes, oh, I just didn't make the costume because I thought you were going to do it. But then when I found out you weren't going to do it, I did it. I'm like, oh, girl, you should have done it anyway. You look so amazing. She looks really good. But um, uh, Beatrix is one of them. Funny enough, Sodina from Thousand Arms was another one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking in my, my folder. Peach, Princess Peach. I actually made a Princess Peach. Make this costume for us. Yes. <laughs> I made it. It was the Smash Brothers Melee, the old Smash Brothers Melee version. I just nice. never got around to embroidering the entire thing. I just I embroidered half of it and then got lazy and stopped. So where do you so, put them all? Do you have like a walk-in closet or something? Yeah. I have a um, a rack in my bedroom that's one of those breakdown clothing mm. racks, and I have all the costumes in black plastic nice. garment bags on the rack. So, have all those costumes, so 50 or so costumes, which ones are your favorite? Favorites? Belle is definitely Which one, favorite. blue or yellow? Yellow. Blue is yeah. the more wearable one, but the <laughs> yellow one is the one that I wanted so badly that I finally made and just loved so much. Mm-hmm. Um, Eris, my original Final Fantasy VII Eris, it's autographed by Nomura Tetsuya, so I, oh. I really cherish that one. And then, um, I don't know, probably Flay Alster from Gundam Seed. Now that we're drawing a blank on, unfortunately. <laughs> I, know, I know Gundam yeah, Wing, and that is it. Gundam Seed is just another one of the Gundam installments. <laughs> um, but Flay is a really bizarre, angry crazy, crazy, creepy character and I just thought she was really cool so I wanted to cosplay as her. I really kind of gravitate more towards the weird unappreciated characters a lot of times. I don't necessarily cosplay as all of them but a lot of the times they're more of the ones that I really dig because they make the series interesting. I felt that she, she, she you, know, you know, Gundam Seed had the standard like, oh, I'm this really, you know, young 15 year old guy who doesn't want to fight. Oh, poor me, I have to pilot this mecha around and kill people sad face sad face and then they've got like this pink haired princess character who's so sweet and so kind and she sings and da 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 and you know at that point I was rolling my eyes but then when this Flay character came in and she went all crazy and she was just constantly making everything drama I really enjoyed the series because I was constantly waiting to see what kind of shenanigans she was going to pull next and so I really ended up liking her because I thought that she was a really creative character that they came up with and that she added so much depth and interest to the series that I wanted to cosplay as her because she was so cool. So most of the time those are the kind of characters that I gravitate towards. So Faye, Belle, and Eris. A fine choice. We'll put the links up on our site. <laughs> Actually, we're, we're going to definitely put the link up to, uh, to your website on the main post for this episode, but we'll also um, do like uh, links directly to, to some of your favorite pictures so that you can uh-huh. showcase the ones you, you're most proud of. Okay. So I take it this isn't a cheap hobby. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, not, not that I know, but I, I assume material isn't cheap and, you know, the time and effort it puts into it. No, and that's probably one of the main reasons why I've slowed down as far as making costumes, because rent in L.A. and everything mm. encompassing is just way too much money for the peanuts that I basically make at work. Mm-hmm. And I just don't have the money to be making 
crazy costumes for myself anymore. And I used to spend so much money on costumes because I would live with my boyfriend or I lived with my mom or whatever. And the money that I would spend from my jobs, I would spend on cosplay because I didn't have any bills back then. But now that I'm a big kid now and I got to be an adult and I got to be, you know, a big girl, now I pay for everything that I have. And so I don't have that extra income to spend Mm. on cosplay anymore. I wish I did. But I just kind of don't do it as much anymore. That so. is the the way. We, Tony and I seem to be spending more money these days on the less fun stuff, and uh, it's it's kind of a, a one it's of the no shittier things about growing up. Unfortunately, no one ever yeah. to that. So what what would be the average? I mean, it's probably going to be dollars, of course. So are we talking a hundred dollars to make something like the Bella two hundred. Um, Bell's materials for pretty much about two hundred to three hundred dollars. Oh Jesus! I, cool. I tend to estimate. <laughs> how much money I spend on my website. But, you know, I was never one of those people that actually saved receipts and, uh, and made sure that I knew what my budget was. Mm-hmm. So it could have been less. It could have been more. So I put a cost on every single one of my costumes, like about how much it costs for me and materials to me. That's not factoring in, you know, needing to go and get certain tools to make certain things like grommets. I need to put grommets, which are the little metal rings that you know put in a corset so you can lace it up i don't i don't factor in trims i don't factor in grommet setters i don't factor in getting my scissors sharpened i don't factor in running out of material and having to go get more material i don't factor in the gas that it takes to get there i don't factor in there's a lot more that goes into it than just the price of the materials alone mm-hmm. um but i would say for example alucard uh it's a costume that i made for an ex-boyfriend mm-hmm. um that cost fifteen hundred dollars. Jesus Christ! But he paid for it, so it's okay. I hate better. <laughs> he paid for it. Otherwise, I was going to say, well, so that's why he's your ex. <laughs> but the, the reason why it was so expensive was because um, I really wanted to. I've always wanted to make the Alucard costume from Castlevania, uh-huh. and. I wanted to use materials that were beautiful and mm. had texture. So I, and he's also huge. He's six foot three. Mm. So I mean, he was a, he was a he's not a big guy. He was a, he's actually very lanky, mm-hmm. but he's a really tall person. So I needed to use a lot more materials than I would use for say somebody who's five foot eight. But I used um, I used silk dupioni for the vest. I used um, cotton. I used cotton. Um, Velveteen for the jacket. I used really, really heavy acetate bridal satin and um, iridescent taffeta for the lining of the cape. I went to town on the wig. Like it's, I'm using silk for the cravat that I used in. That's the big tie in the front. I'm using real metal buckles, and I did the embroidery <laughs> by myself, all by myself on the very front where it goes around the buckles. Every single one of those pyramid studs that you see on his vest underneath. Those I set each one by hand, like everything on that costume I did with extreme care. So the materials just added up after a while. What happened to the costume? Have you still got it? I still have it. Yeah, I'm selling it. I mean, if there's anybody who can fit into it, who wants to pay. Any of our massive listeners who love themselves some Symphony of the Night. Okay, well, and another one for indeed. Another, if you if you're keen on firsts, uh, I think that's probably the first time I've ever heard anyone use the term iridescent taffeta on a gaming mm-hmm. podcast. That's a, that's a, <laughs> yeah. And, and also, well, I, I was grinning. It was funny. <laughs> it's basically the the fabric that is like it's kind of like gown fabric, but when you move it, it changes colors. I used um, ah, okay. like a black and silver mm-hmm. for the lining of the coat. 
So, or for the cape. So when he moved the cape around, it would shift around colors from silver to black. Mm-hmm. Really in, in all seriousness, um, I, I know that these costumes all probably mean a hell of a lot to you, but you could make yourself quite a business on eBay selling them off one by one and, and carefully tailoring them in, like taking them in and tailoring them to people who could maybe fit into them. And uh, I try if anybody was interested. I actually have three up on eBay right now. I have right. Princess Aurora, mm-hmm. Sailor Princess Sailor Jupiter, and Eris from Final Fantasy. Tactic. Uh, the uh, the green flower girl. Yeah, there's yeah. the green flower girl from Tactics, mm-hmm. and then I have Sailor Jupiter, which is like an art book rendition mm-hmm. that Naoko Takeuchi did of the Sailor soldiers, and they put them in these crazy dresses. And my friends and I did a group based on the art book picture a long time ago. Mm. And then Aurora, which was this costume for my sister, so. Hopefully somebody will buy them because I'm kind of tired of them sitting in my closet being yeah. lonely. I've I, I kind of got into a thing of collecting oh, several things in my in the last ten years, and I, I do this thing where I get heavily into just like like first off it was Lord of the Rings swords, then it was lightsabers, and it was like, <laughs> like gotta get them and them, and I I buy the one I. No, no, I can never afford the one I really, really want first, so I get one that's kind of like that, and then I just keep going and going, and if I just bought. The one I wanted, it would have not exploded into a giant expensive ass collection, and then I end up selling them all off piecemeal, like last first, because the last one I got was like, well, I'm just going to finish off this collection. So I completely understand where you're coming from there. But um, okay, uh, what do you have? A, uh, okay, right, you've already done that one there, Tony. Okay. I think that, that's the other card one. Right. Uh, what I are the? I can tell you a funny story if you want to hear more about Castlevania. Go for it. I haven't uploaded any of these photos on my website oh actually you know what i think i did i put them in my maria renard gallery but i actually when we went to go shoot in germany when i was in germany we went to this castle and the castle is called i think it was called kaiser something something kaiser it was in dusseldorf so say and we wanted to shoot at this castle i wanted to shoot maria and earlier in the day uh cosplay.com's photographer kyle johnson was shooting some fairy costumes with lily alexandra and a model that she had picked so we were like hey let's try to piggyback some other costumes so they went and they shot the fairy earlier on in that day and then i was getting ready into my maria costume so that they could come back and grab me and then go back to the castle once they were done with the fairy so that the fairy model could change Mm -hmm. so when they came back to get me uh, the cab driver, of course, was weirded out by the fact that he was shuttling around these, these bizarre people in these costumes. But when we got to the castle, the castle was closed. It had closed 20 minutes before we got there. Hey. And we walked up, and there was this there was this maybe, maybe chin-length gate in front of us. And I'm in full Maria Renard, like, regalia. I've got <laughs> my friends with me. My friend's got his camera. We're in Germany. We're never going to be in Germany in this situation ever again. So I looked at them, and then I looked around to see if anybody else was watching, and I said, I'm hopping the fence. So nice. <laughs> I, in my full Maria Renard costume, leaped up into the air, got myself crouched on the top of the fence, and then jumped off of it into the castle. And the rest of them are like, shrug. Okay, two and followed me. And we actually ended up having a really awesome photo shoot because there was no people at the castle anymore. Mm-hmm. It was closed, so we literally had the entire place to ourselves. And we had some amazing shots come out of it, including this one that I'm going to send you guys, which is basically photographed platform style, mm-hmm. so that it looks like it's oh. a platforming style game, like a side scroller, mm-hmm. but 
it was funny because I crawled up on there and I'm like, okay, you guys, we have to get this. This is going to be the money shot. We have to get this to look platforming style. So they were like, I don't know if that's a really good idea, Sarah, because you're kind of a klutz. And I said, for Maria Renard and for Castlevania, I will do this. So I climbed up on this ridiculously high ledge and inched my way up it so that they could get the perfect shot so that it would look like I was actually in the game. This is awesome. Looking at it, that is really good. Oh, we want more of this stuff. Okay, yeah, right. So, so how important is the settings? Because looking at the most of your photos, they're not just you know you standing in your back garden. They're actually set you know inside of castles or mm. in the woodland, depending on depicting what person you're trying to capture for. So, is that a really important when it comes to photography? With me, oh yes, it is. If I'm going to spend all of this time on these costumes and all of this money on these costumes, then I want to photograph them in a setting that will really bring the character to life. Mm-hmm. Because if you've got this beautiful and amazing costume and you're standing in the middle of your bedroom holding your fingers out in a V-shape like victory, it's not going to really make your costume look <laughs> yeah. as brought to life as, say, somebody who has an equally awesome costume, but they manage to somehow get themselves photographed in a castle or something Mm. and i know a lot of people don't have uh that ability to do that and i really don't anymore as much as i did but it was something that i strove for and i worked really hard to be able to accomplish because i really had that passion and a lot of times managed to weasel my way into to do guerrilla photography Mm -hmm. like for example, um, let's see, which one did we get thrown out of? Okay, Winnowill. <laughs> Winnowill is... Winnowill it's those damn here. cosplayers again. Get the shotgun. I just, it's so renegade, isn't it? It's, yeah, I can't believe it. It's like, oh, which one did we get thrown out of? Dude, you know, we just... dressed as Link and then just snuck in there. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually about to do that with a Link costume. But um, this character is uh, the mean, the late, the meat, the leading. Pardon me, the leading villain for ElfQuest, which is a an American comic from the 70s. Oh, I remember ElfQuest. I do. Oh, the Peenies. They're really cool people. Mm-hmm. And sh- the character is from this place called Black Mountain, and she's this beautiful, creepy, weird, crazy psycho elf lady, and she <laughs> lives in this cave mountain type thing. So the only thing I could think of was to find some kind of rocky, weird mountainous setting so we went up at the top of this mountain and it's got lots of rocks and crags and certain things like that so we thought it would be a good place to shoot it and of course it was private property so we got thrown off but we were able to at least get our shoot completed before (laughs) the people who own the property came and told us to get out Mm -hmm. so that's what we call guerrilla photography we get into a costume and we try to get on site and we shoot as much as possible before we get thrown out because we're not going to pay thousands of dollars to be able to use the site it's just ridiculous Yeah, so we're like, we're just co- we're just hobbyists. We just want to take some photos, so we go in and we start shooting until they toss us out. That one of these last pictures you're looking off to the right, and it's almost as if they're shouting at you from over in the distance. You're like, uh-oh, one last one, guys. Here we go, here we go, come on. <laughs> and of course, the photographer's funny. He's always like, they're going to confiscate my camera. And we're always just like, no, no, they're not going to confiscate your camera. Police are the only people who can confiscate your property. I'm sorry, sh- they're not going to take your camera. I shot a uh, very, very low-budget film like that uh, a few years ago, and we literally just ran to, like, like run-down areas, like, di- tried to do the scene as fast as possible before someone came by and went, you, you young man, go away, and what are you doing there? You're, you're, you're with the baseball bats and things. It was a thriller, so yeah. we just we just looked as mean as possible, and people didn't bother us so much. It was good. It's the exact same thing. We're going to be doing that with the, the Zelda project pretty soon um, at the end of July. Originally, we were going to shoot in uh, Mirror Woods, which is this really beautiful place north of San Francisco. But 
Um, they're charging us $400 just to process the permit fee. And oh, after gosh. that, after just the process, they don't even have to give us the permit afterwards. It's an expense that we just have to pay them just to look at our at our permit application. Then after that, I don't know how much they're going to charge us for the permit. So we're they actually just sneak in there. That's capitalism, exactly. isn't it? Great. <laughs> but the thing is, is that Muir Woods is one of those places where it's heavily guarded by rangers. So we you may just get shot. Scout out Sequoia. So we scouted Sequoia, and it turned out it really wasn't what we were looking for as far as the Lost Woods is concerned. So turns out that my, my roommate is actually taking a camping trip up to the coastal redwoods in California, which is called – there's one specific park that I really wanted to go see. It's called Prairie Creek Redwood National, Fo- National Forest. Mm-hmm. He's actually taking a trip to that exact location. It's where they filmed Return of the Jedi, oh. parts of the Lost World for Jurassic Park. We're actually shooting the Lost Woods for The Legend of Zelda there, and we're not going to get a permit for that. We're literally just going to go up there. As There's nine of us in total, and we're going to go up there, and we're going to shoot. And we've got a production team that's renting a really gnarled, elaborate-looking redwood stump that we're going to dress a clearing up like the Sacred Meadow. And we oh, have awesome. But we've got a, li- a cute little nine-year-old girl, and she's playing as Saria, and she's so cute, and she's so excited for the costume, and I'm almost done <laughs> with the costume, and I'm making it as accurate as I possibly can. So we're going to have this cute little girl in a perfect, as perfect as I can get it, Saria costume. With, with green hair. With green hair. Awesome. With a stump in the middle of this really epic-looking enchanted forest, and... I'm dressing up the other model as Link, and I'm almost done with his costume too. And it's, I'm hoping that it's going to be as amazing as all of us on the project are hoping for. There's a photographer, there's a videographer, there's a makeup artist, there's me as the costume designer, there's two models, two production designers, um, two assistant lighting people, and then I think that's it. And I think one of my That's other friends enough. is coming along. But we have, like, a whole team of people who are going up here who are actually going to try to make this happen. Never pay money for permits. It's hopefully it's looking from, epic. They'll just take the money, not understand what you're doing, and go, and it'll be no, no different to them. They'll lose nothing. They'll have gained dollars. $400. And, yeah, right. what does it mean? It's not like, are you getting a profit out of this? Are you somehow making money from this shoot? Mm, nope. No, there you go, then. So it's... <laughs> If you're not making money, you effectively owe nobody anything. It's that simple. Yep. So we're going up to the Northern Redwoods, and we're going to shoot it where Jurassic Park and Return of the Jedi were shot. You know those the scene where they're like in the with the Ewoks, where they're mm-hmm. like on those those um, flying machines, and they're flying through the forest, and they're crashing into the trees. That's where we're going to yeah. shoot it. But yeah, I, I know Jedi very well. <laughs> yeah, see, I don't really know Star Wars that well. I just have watched it a couple of times and like it. <laughs> okay. Well, I know that, that probably means more to me than it does to you then. <laughs> So, I, you know what? I'm really, really pleased with the fact that you're still doing this uh, and, and you're actually, like, taking cosplay to the next level rather than just these, like, you know, annoying, like, prom queenie type kids who just want to dress up like Sailor Moon and be the princess and sound like they're kind of not souring cosplay but not getting it either. 
and just like look I, at me, look at me. But wouldn't it's, you wouldn't you argue that there's there's two sides to that, isn't it? That there is a way to kind of go well, both feet in and really make something of it. But I kind of like the fact that there is kids out there that are just you know dressing up and they're moving quickly from one costume to the next. I think that's just fine. a progression, isn't it? When you yourself yeah. said when you had the time, you you did it a bit more. But you know, I mean, we le- we learn as we we. We grow up that um, artistic style actually starts to take precedence over just you know sheer quantity. Mm. People go into different just, reasons. I just want these kids to realize that it's a hobby and to just enjoy themselves. Yeah, because that's really what they. It should doesn't be doing. sound like they are. It sounds like they're there's anxiety. There's a lot of people with who still do. It's just that there's so many more louder people nowadays than there used to be that are really really competitive about it, and there's so much cattiness and anger and it's kind of a consensus with me and all my friends that we have distanced ourselves from the convention scene considerably because it's like for example the 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 touchiness is ridiculous i actually have such bad hearing that my health insurance almost had to give me a hearing aid in one of my ears because i have such awful hearing i really have bad hearing my ears on the outside you know how your ears roll in Mm mm-hmm my ears don't have that on them. It goes straight back, so my ears don't actually catch sound I'm an elf. like they're supposed to. Yeah, I'm an elf. They don't catch sound right. So I don't hear a lot of the times when people are calling my name, and I've had so often people go, Adela, Adela, I want your photo, and I just keep walking because I can't hear them. But they assume that I'm ignoring them or I'm being a diva or whatever because I'm not Oh, you think around. you're too good for me, huh? Well, I didn't exactly. want to photograph you anyway. Oh, God. That's I poor exactly you. what happens. And can then we, they flip we, out and they start these huge drama fests online over uh, it. Like, I had no idea. I hate that girl. So, She's a bitch. She wouldn't look at me. Exactly. Oh. Yes. I was going to say, do you have any um, insight into, obviously you do the cosplay side, but the, the insight to people that actually really enjoy going to conventions and you see it all the time. I mean, very much in Japan when you see the Tokyo Game Show, you know, how many people line, sure. literally line up. For 20 minutes, an hour, and just waiting for a photo with somebody playing their their character. Is it just Mm. pure fascination of seeing that character in in a real life, or is it a a bit more than that? I'm I'm not going to say it's in a perverse way at all, because I I think you wouldn't line up for an hour just for that. But, you know, is there any insight, do you think, between the cosplayer and the, well, the the person that is watching? Um, I don't really know. I've experienced Japan cosplay, and I actually don't really enjoy it too much. Mm-hmm. It's not as fun as cosplaying in the United States, because in the United States, you just you go to a convention, you have your hotel room, you put mm-hmm. on your costume with your friends, and you go run around everywhere. Mm-hmm. In Japan, they have, uh, for the most part, they have very specific areas where you can be in costume, mm-hmm. and you can't leave those areas without like a certain like a special pass or whatever. Oh, and gosh. it's just like. It's not as fun for me to just be crammed on the rooftop of some convention, sweating in the sun, standing in one place with a bunch of photographers taking really fugly pictures of me. I don't know. It's not It's not that fun. I don't – I personally, myself, this does not include anybody else's opinion, but I don't really understand the connection between somebody standing in line for hours and hours to take the photograph of somebody – in a costume, all they have to do is go online and download it from that person's website because that's what they like to do. Mm-hmm. If they want to get their own photos of that person, that's perfectly cool with me. I just personally myself wouldn't spend the time to do it. 
I guess. Well, I would so. imagine at these conventions there's other stuff to see, like, I don't know, video games? <laughs> yeah. You know, if you're at the TGS or something like that, uh, and, you know, there's, there's these, like, brand... Like, you could get in the mind for, line for the next Monster Hunter, or just, you know, that girl, you know, 20 metres over there behind the queue of 52 guys is just like Tifa. Quick, take a picture instead of just getting her website and stuff. I don't know. Uh, I... I would, I would probably, if it w- if it was in America, it would be a lot easier because they would just all swarm up, take a photo mm. of the girl, and then all. Yeah, it's like that in England as well. I uh, went to a Star Wars convention. I think it was the the thirty year con in London, and um, they they just had like folks dressed as Jedi and folks dressed as stormtroopers up there who you know were quite happy to have everyone just sort of swarm up, photograph them, and and they were just posing, posing them together. So to, to me, getting lots of them together sometimes cancelled each other out because mm. it's like there's three Obi-Wans just right there. For some, <laughs> it's, it's almost like uh, time cop rules. If they're, if they're that close to each other, there could be some sort of breach in the space-time continuum. I would want to get like separate pictures of different Obi-Wans, not thrust them all into one group. But, um, but yeah, there's a lot less of the, of the kind of... It's almost, it's almost like the, the cosplaying girls in Japan are providing a service, I would imagine unpaid as well. And for some, there's this kind of... I don't know, is it from an outsider, it's like, there's a certain mentality that they have to get into, it's like, right, I'm going to dress up like Tifa, or Ares, or um, Yuff, Yuffie, and yeah. I'm going to go to the TGS, and then men are going to stand in line, and photograph me one at a time. It, I mean, I'm assuming, assuming that's like taking exhibitionism to, to some sort of new kind of avenue. Yeah. I think a lot of them are doing it because they are getting into modeling. I wouldn't I would ah, yes, know, but I've I've read in numerous places that a lot of girls mm-hmm. that do it in Japan aren't necessarily fans of the characters. They do it because they want to get their portfolio uh. made out. And I guess in Japan, cosplay is kind of a, a decent avenue to break into mm. modeling. Yeah. It's quite different in America. Nobody would look at cosplay and say, oh, my gosh, I want you to model this Gucci dress, you know. But um, in Japan, I think it's different. Yeah. So. I think a lot of the girls do it because um, because they want to get into modeling and mm-hmm. it helps them network. I don't really know if if that's true because I don't want to say for sure if that's true, but I'm sure. pretty sure that that's a lot of what goes on there. Mm. Okay, and uh, I can't even begin to get into the heads of the guys who are like, "Why well, I'm going to queue for ages?" As you say, you know, I could get this off the net. It might be something to do with just the the the, the psychological. Uh, act of basically being, the, you know, having a subject and being the photographer and going right. At this point, I am going to frame you, and you are going to be my subject. And that that sort of sometime psychologically in their head sort of makes them yeah. feel, but like they're in control. Maybe I don't know. But you look at it from this way. I mean, video game characters, as, as much you know, as much as they're on screen, they're not real life. I mean, film characters, you can. I st- I don't know. I suppose you can see a, a lot more of them if you go searching on, on the net, is, mm. you know, performing in, in different films and whatnot. I, I just think people like to see their, their favourite characters, you know, and, and have some sort of real life flesh to them. Yeah. Which you know, because I mean, they are ultimately virtual. I mean, apart from returning the sequels and stuff, that's about the, the closest you're ever going to get. So. Yeah. Also, the, significantly, the Japanese film industry, because if you, you know, Japan is where this all spiraled from. Japanese film industry nowhere near as as um, Public and obvious as as Hollywood, it's it's anime is 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 a lot stronger over there. So you're going to get a lot more anime cosplayers. You're not going to get many cosplayers uh, acting as, say, 
chick from the ring or maybe you probably <laughs> that's yeah, probably the worst the example <laughs> but uh it's 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 not as glamorous and i, I don't know um what's a great japanese film have you ever seen verses that's awesome uh-uh. but <laughs> i don't know there aren't that many um japanese action films so not at least that get they get worldwide so i think maybe just the anime has that much more impact and obviously video yeah. game industry has always been yeah. massive over there as well so that it seems to create the more uh, long-lasting and uh, outstanding-looking characters, maybe. They're pretty polite over there, too. Um, mm-hmm. I've actually... I was actually quite... The first time I went there, I, I was actually quite intrigued by the fact that I was so used to the United States, how I would stand in one place and people would basically just form this big circle around me photographing, whereas in Japan, they waited in line. It was very interesting because I've never experienced people actually waiting for other people to get their photos mm. done. Most people just walk up and stand next to them and start clicking. They literally, every single one of the people that wanted to photograph me, they would wait behind the person in front of them, mm-hmm. and then each one of them would ask me for a photo before they actually took it. Mm. I didn't have a single person actually snapping shots at me. And granted, it was different when I went to TFT, which is like a cosplayer gathering where mm-hmm. it's just cosplayers and photographers, but this was for... Um, comic head mm-hmm. and I was in the cosplay corral as I called it because it was just basically a roped off area for cosplayers and photographers mm-hmm. and I think that most of the photographers that go in there they have to be specially allowed in there so they don't you don't have any of the ridiculous shenanigans going on that you know with people with cameras attached to their feet so they can get upskirt shots and yeah. you know that huh. kind of stand, stereotype that you hear about like all of them were literally very polite and waited for each other to finish taking their shots and asked me before I, they took photos i was very i was very almost like culture shocked by it because mm. i was so used to the united states well maybe it's not about power then maybe it's more of just the the, the sense of a personal exchange mm. like, showing you respect at the very yeah. least it was very interesting. I mean, I wasn't expecting that for sure. I was just expecting, you know, one person would ask for my photo, then the rest of them would just kind of like, oh, that guy's taking a picture. They were, it was all crowded. It is normally here. So what are the oddest or funniest or cleverest cosplay examples you've seen on your extensive travels? When I went to Russia, there was a group of people who did uh, Granada Espada costumes. And these were... Uh, and I've been to Mexico, and I've been to Canada, and I've been, you know, all over the United States, and I've been to Japan, and I've seen plenty of costumes. I've been to Germany. Like, I've seen so many cosplayers, and I've seen so many renditions of, of the same costumes. And when I saw this group of girls and a couple of guys doing this Granada Espada, I literally, that was it for me. <laughs> it floored me. They absolutely floored me. They were so incredibly intricate on everything that they put on their costumes. It blew me away. Mm-hmm. I literally, I couldn't, I couldn't, and you know, with as much time as I had spent on Alucard, th- there was no way that I could have spent the effort and time that these people spent on their costumes. Hand embroidering the entire thing, going to great lengths and details to actually create trims to look like certain things. It was just mind blowing. Russia as a whole is the most impressive place for cosplay that I've ever been. Of the that Russians, I did not Russians, expect. The Russians are amazing cosplayers. They're beautiful and they are so picky. They are so good at what they do. That's all I have to say is Russia impressed me.
Now, you said before the um, episode that you were kind of trying to distance yourself from the whole Adela image. So is, is this... Is this because you want to try and be more professional in, in, in who you are now because you've now got a job in the industry or, or, or what? Um, it's kind of multiple reasons. Um, Adela was obviously, as we as I said earlier, is a character that I created for online role-playing and nothing more. Hmm. When I decided that I was going to use that name <coughs> as my cosplay name, back then people had these internet handles that they were known by and <laughs> everybody was something Chan. And I didn't want to be Sarah Chan. And I thought, you know, Sarah is such a boring name. Mm. Everybody's Sarah. I want a name that's different so that at least when, you know, I introduce myself, I'm like, hey, I'm Adela. Maybe people will remember me. Mm. So I also was having issues back then with people knowing my name and finding me in mm. certain places. And I didn't want to have my real name displayed online for everyone to see. I was kind of nervous about that and the internet was a different place back then mm. so I decided it would be the safest thing for me to do to use this name as a way to identify myself and yet I could keep my real name secret and I could keep that part of my private life personal so I just used the name Adela and people would know me as the characters and the cosplayer yeah. rather than as Sarah but it's been 10 years since I took on the name and used the name of that character and now I mean I'm pushing 29 and I have a professional job in the industry, and I actually want to do something with the character of Adela. I want to actually write a fiction with her, and I don't want to be known as her because she's a completely different person than I am. She's a character. She's a fictional character. I'm Sarah, not Adela. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Very much. We have I at least one friend who's very much like that right now, although he doesn't want to write fiction about his character. Although we should. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't want to I don't want to be that character anymore. I'm not Adela. She's a fictional character that I created in my head. I am Sarah and I just want to start being more known as Sarah. And some of my other friends have started to do that too. Like my friend Joellen, she's known as Lily Alexandra as in cosplay, but she's started going by the name Joellen because she wants to kind of become more professional with what she's doing. Okay, so Sarah, not Adela. Just to, to round off the whole cosplay uh, side of things, uh, give us the most common pitfalls of cosplay and maybe some insider tips uh, so for, for people who are listening who might maybe want to get into it. The first thing I suggest is if you don't know how to sew, go to a craft store and pick out a skirt pattern, something really simple that looks like it doesn't have a lot of seams in it, and actually study the pattern and see how fabric comes together. It's it's too difficult of something to actually just jump into and say, oh, I want to make you know a Sephiroth costume. Mm. That's actually a very difficult costume in order to get that shape to be correct. Yeah, you yeah. need to go with something that's a lot more simple. So I suggest that people who are just trying to get into it go to the store, get some muslin, a couple yards of muslin for a dollar a yard, mm -hmm. and then practice. Because you will, you have to learn how fabric works, how it comes together. You have to understand that why, why when you lay out this paper that this shape makes a sleeve. It has to be something that you can understand yeah. first before you actually go crazy with it. So my suggestion is to go buy cheap fabric, a.k.a. muslin, mm -hmm. and a simple pattern, and then just start trying to learn from your mistakes. Do your best when it comes to the pattern, put it together, and then see why did this not work out. And if it's like, for example, 
sleeves, they woven sleeves at least require easing for domestic patterns. And I didn't know what easing was when I first started sewing. So all I would do is just pleat it so I would get it to make the shape it was supposed to make. Eventually, I Googled what easing was, and I saw that I stitched two lines like a railroad track all the way across the top of the sleeve, and then I pull the thread from the underside and then slide the fabric along so that it actually makes gathers. And I basically smooth out the fabric along the railroad tracks of the thread until it kind of makes a cup shape, Mm -hmm. and that's what actually goes over your shoulder. I didn't know that at first, and now those are the sorts of things that you have to start learning to figure out, how do I make the fabric do what I need it to do? Mm-hmm. That's pretty much the biggest thing you need to know, is so how the, to get fabric to do what you need it to do. So the first thing is you, you need to pick up some internet books or you know, some real books and kind of just learn how to sew the very basics itself mm-hmm. before kind of yeah. jumping into the deep. And keep your big project as something that you will do once you have the skills rather than just jump right, straight. Right, you don't want to waste money. Yeah. You don't want to yeah. waste money and, and, and get frustrated and be like, oh, I can't do this. This, this is, is so not what I do. I waste money. I get frustrated <laughs> and I make a complete pot <laughs> job of whatever I try to do. <laughs> anybody can sew. I guarantee you anybody can do it. It just takes learning and understanding why fabric does what it does. That's mm-hmm. all it is. I, and now we touched on a little bit on it earlier, but is there places that actually make costumes just for order? Yeah, like I've, I've seen a whole bunch on eBay. And is that really, I don't know, is, is it almost cheating? Um, oh, that's the great debate. I don't really care, personally. A lot of people are really uppity about it, and they're like... <laughs> they're not well, really a cosplayer. No, that, that's they're they're they, go, oh, they go, oh, it's off the rack. Oh, darling, yeah. it's off the rack. <laughs> <laughs> you put no effort into that. You put money into that. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people don't like the fact that some people buy their costumes. I can see why they would because they put so much effort into it. It's like us with, like, when, if we see that a particularly pop, uh, there's a podcast which is massively popular and we listen to it and it's like, why do people listen to these guys? This, this is rubbish. This is horseshit. Like, this is like every other podcast I've ever heard. Uh, it, it makes us angry because we put so much time and effort into doing something different. Like, I guarantee no one's done this before. I would at least not in this detail. Yeah. <laughs> at least not well, cup stitching on a video games podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, okay, I can't guarantee it, but it's unlikely. Um, so, so yeah, Tony and I get a little bit kind of. Uh, so I can completely understand why people yeah, would say that it, then it's not actually cosplay. But you're also the kind of person, Alex, that will just buy something off the shelf because, oh, yeah. I, I, because of the totally time and effort that. that yeah it goes into it. So it's, it's understandable. But mainly because I have ten thumbs and I couldn't create. So <laughs> every time I've tried to create something like that, I've come up with an abomination. So yeah, it's. Okay, this this is leading to something else, but uh, sorry, carry on, finish what you were going to say. I personally just, I don't have a problem with it because I know that not everybody, everybody's situation in life is different Hmm. and not everybody has the time to learn how to sew. Not everybody has the money on tons and tons of fabric trying and trying and trying to get it down. Some people just want to buy the costume and wear it and have fun with their friends and that's it. Hmm. I mean, there are different levels of cosplay. Some people spend tons and tons and tons of time because they can on making their costumes, but not everybody has that situation. So I think it would be unfair to, you know, look down on people who buy those costumes because those people are fans too and they want to have the costume too. They just don't have the ability like other people in order to make it. And that's why commissioners exist so that those people can enjoy themselves too. Mm. And who am I or anyone, who is anyone else to deny them that fun just because they don't have the ability to make it that's not fair Mm. so that's how i feel i think that anybody should be able to cosplay 
even if they're buying their costumes or whatever, I think that everybody should enjoy it because it's fun. Okay. Hey, hey. <laughs> Confession time on this one. <clears throat> I've never really broadcast this fact, uh, and I'm probably not the dictionary definition of a cosplayer, but I do occasionally like to dress up as my favorite characters once in a while. Uh, more so in the past when I had a bit more time and money and wasn't doing the podcast. But uh, <laughs> I've got some picks here. Take a look at them. And give us your honest opinion. I mean, most of these are not, well, no, none of these are made. These are like little pieces that I've acquired and cobbled together from eBay, uh, and sort of made the costume, uh, piecemeal, rather than like bought in one go. You're not really a Star Wars fan, but that's, uh, my hand solo from a long time ago. I like old Star Wars. Oh, that's so cute! That's cosplay. Okay, cool, cool. It is. It is cosplay. Okay. You, there's a slight tone of pity in your voice. Uh, I, I like the photo because you're so young. Yeah, well, that was 2005. <laughs> that was so old now. <laughs> this one, that is, <laughs> yeah, that is somewhat photoshopped. Um, that's my Jedi costume. That's really good, actually. Now, that one cost me a bomb. Basically, the, uh, the cloak I got from, um, Oh, I've forgotten the name of them, but they but they do nothing but make Jedi cloaks, and they're like real professionals. And this thing was heavy as hell, had a gigantic hood to it. Uh, I, I really love that. Then, huh? uh, it was that was like uh, that was actually only about one hundred and twenty-five dollars, so it wasn't through the roof. I, I want to know why there's a Jedi in back, my back garden. <laughs> <laughs> that was my back garden when I lived in Ashley. Well, they have to live somewhere. This is a perfect <laughs> testament to what Adela said about you've got to find the right setting. Yeah. A Jedi in the back garden looks terrible. The other photos, I had the trash cans behind me, so it's like Lord of the Trash Compactor. <laughs> The belt, again, was a professional leather worker job from people who specialised in uh, Star Wars replicas. Didn't fasten properly because they used sort of a, a sash thing at the back, which meant I had to craft some Velcro sticky things to, to sort of keep it closed. But if yeah. I breathed out too quickly, it would just pop open at conventions. So <laughs> I had to kind of keep sucking in the whole day, which was painful. Cosplay uh, is not comfortable in no. any sense of the word. And every costume that I make that's new, I try very hard to make it as comfortable as possible. But sometimes the designs for the characters, it's just not happening. This next one, this was uh, two Halloweens ago, just after The Dark Knight came out. Now, I really should have had long hair for that, and I'm assuming you've seen a whole bunch of Jokers. But uh, it was my uh, workplace. I worked at The Gap at the time, hey, and uh, they they were all doing like a Halloween for charity thing. So everyone sort Uh of been dressed up. and I, I was the only one who really put effort into it. A lot of the girls were sort of working around with those like sort of cat ears on, and that's about yeah. it. Um, but uh, they they put me in the ch- the kids section, and I frightened the children. I didn't have a knife, I forgot. but uh, <laughs> they were like, "You better go to work downstairs. You're scaring the kids." And I, I put so much effort into this thing. I, I, I walked down the street to, to go to work in that. You know, I was. In this instance, I actually did sort of embody the role. So I was, you know, doing that kind of the, the Joker thing where he sort of slumps his shoulders and his eyes are sort of like very focused and his mouth is very kind of busy all the time. And uh, it was really disconcerting for a lot of people to be around me. Um, uh, this is me and my friend Ant. Um, now, this coat I'm really proud of. It cost me... This thing went through the fucking roof. I it was love like, Boromir. <laughs> that's actually Aragorn's Black Gate costume, but it doubles as a really good Boromir one because it's pretty damn close. Um, but it's really good. I like it. That, no, the, I mean the Aragorn coat on the left-hand side, the brown one. Um, oh, I was talking about your friend. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, that one I can't go out in, but this one, it's, uh, it was an official replica of Aragorn's, uh, ranger coat, but, um, they, they put, added some extra things to it, like a zip that, and a little few extra details that means you can kind of pass it off as a real jacket. So I, I very occasionally do get to wear this out in the street and people always go, well, that's a really cool coat, but it cost me like $400 plus, Plus about $70 postage. And then, I don't know if you've heard about this, in the UK, we get taxed for bringing stuff into the country. <laughs> oh, so they went, oh, uh, we'll have an extra 125 quid for that, please, just to Holy bring... Cow. Oh, for fuck's sake! You're going to ruin me! And the worst thing was, I ordered an extra large, because I thought I'm going to be wearing a lot of bulky costume underneath. And I'm just a large, so this thing's kind of big on me. If I'm, it's, it's, It sort of swings my collar. But it's, it's okay. Oh, the boots, though, I bought... <laughs> this is the guy who actually did the boots for the Lord of the Rings movies made these for me. He actually is a, a boot maker in New Zealand, and uh, those were to the exact same specifications as Aragorn's uh, Ranger boots. So they were Amazing. made of uh, uh, vel- suede leather, and they cost less than the coat to send, but they were still pretty expensive. Unfortunately, they didn't really stay up. I had to like tie them really tight with the uh, ca- uh, leather cords because they obviously only used the uh, the <laughs> style of, of wearing boots, so they they didn't have like zips or any like stiff leather on the inside to keep them up. So what that kind of rounds up to was I was going to basically dress as Aragorn in his ranger costume to get married in. Right? That's cool. And when I I thought it would be really cool, and I was like looking at that costume, and I I photographed it, and I thought I'm really not happy with this, but Ant looked really cool in that gear so I thought right I'm going to take elements of both add a few elements of that Buck Rogers type thing I put in earlier and I made this and this is our wedding me and my wife is your wife dressed like Arwen Uh, oh you know it okay I'm so excited I love it Uh, and that's us (laughs) that's so cute oh my god that's so cute (laughs) oh my god is she so pretty oh my god I'm fangirling now. I love the, I love the treatment with like the, how they grayed out the background. That was me. I, I, um, <laughs> did that. It looks fantastic. It does. Um, I, th- I think I look too, like, too much like Prince Charming and nowhere near like Aragorn. I should have grown <laughs> a beard. I had a beard. I had long hair. Uh, yeah, you, you look so scruffy. I did look scruff. I look like a tramp. Yeah, it's uh, my my hair doesn't hang down. It should, but uh, no, but that looks really nice and charming and almost Disney-ish. Uh, but maybe if I get married again, I'll go for some sort of more ranger look. I have a beard now. I don't look quite as scruffy. I don't know. And this this is what my first cosplay. <laughs> oh shit, that's epic! <laughs> I still sure have I've got a few of those as well. I still have my Spider Man costume, but I never wear it. So. I think I I've actually. <laughs> oh, I've got one of me being a cowboy as well, which was obviously nice. Okay, Tony, you've got to give me that. You have got to give me you as a cowboy. It's just so appropriate. So funny. I think I've got me as a cowboy actually, Tony. So we, we will get me and you as cowboys up on the yes. Oh, we we should put the the picture of us doing the cosplay as the cowboys when we did the thing. At, oh uh, yes, for this episode. <laughs> it's, it's funny. How no oh no we've got to put Adela on the front. She's the star of this one. Yes. Like we're going to stick ourselves up. No, as how a, vain is that, Tony? As a link. <laughs> God. <laughs> okay, right. So funny. We well we will somehow get to you the uh, image of us as uh, cowboys. <laughs> Okay. Oh, but we were we were like teenagers. Yeah, that was like like late nineties. So this is like one of those oldie worldy ones you get taken out of the theme park. So yeah, okay. I'll find that while you're answering the next question. Okay. Okay. Um, Dressing outside your weight. Now we've seen uh, if you if you go cosplay Tifa, you'll find a bunch of hot Japanese girls, a bunch of hot American girls, and a bunch of kind of large 
girls. So I'd say one of the main pitfalls for, for me, you know, as a casual observer, would be to make sure you dress within your weight um, and and maybe just go for a character who's a bit more sort of suited to you. Because obviously, it should not be restrictive as a as a hobby, but it does require you to kind of you know maybe be a bit more of a realist. Wouldn't you say? I think that's such a sexist thing. I, I, obviously, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I think if if whoever embraces it embraces it for all the right reasons. And sometimes people need to just stand back up from it and go, well, fair enough. You know what? She's confident. She's got a, you know, a fairly large buttock in this shot, but you know what? She's embracing it. Yeah, I don't know. I just, that's something I don't, I understand where you're coming from because I think if you really want to embrace a character, then to be the, the center mm-hmm. shape and size of that character on screen, then yeah, it's, you know, it, it makes her an, an easier kind of visualization. But at the same time, most people aren't that shape and size so yeah, yeah. That's, it's there's that that's that size person is not glamorized or, or focused no. on enough to, to to give that person much option i suppose adela your, your thoughts um i think that if we restricted people for weight then we'd have no cosplayers because most people aren't built like anime characters myself included mm-hmm. i definitely don't have you know a waist that's you know, ten inches around and legs that are seven feet long. Hmm, but so, you look like Belle in the in the images. No one's yeah. going. That girl doesn't look anything like Belle. I mean, surely isn't kind of part and parcel of it to actually kind of not just say I like this character so much I've stretched a costume that resembles them around myself. And this is not against anyone with weight issues. I think that a lot of people just. I think that I personally wouldn't be able to do that. I don't even do like showy costumes like a Tifa costume even with my own build but I think that I mean I guess it's up to whoever wants to wear the costume if they feel comfortable showing off that and having you know negative remarks thrown at them then I guess that's that's their thing but I've seen at conventions girls who are you know larger in in weight wearing scandalous costumes and having people actually shouting things at them especially in Mexico where these girls get up on stage, and if they're not absolutely perfect, the people in the crowd start yelling at them, calling them fatties and ugly, and get off stage. And I just, I'm amazed by the fact that these girls continuously can just keep doing it because I guess they enjoy it. But I personally really be able to deal with people calling me that. So I don't know. I think it's really more up to them if they enjoy it and they don't mind the commentaries, then that's okay. But if I don't want to look at it, I just will turn away and, and not look. Because some things I've seen at conventions I really don't want to see, so I just look away. It sounds like you kind of have to have thick skin to actually do it, because you're going to, yeah. no matter, even if you look spot on, you're going to meet people, just even just coming, going to and from, uh, who are going to, like when we were at the uh, MCM, Tony, I remember that, that we were on the tube, and there was this old woman said to another old woman, I think it's disgusting. And it she was, was just funny, looking at the yeah. Final Fantasy cosplayers across the way, and they were just dressed absolutely spot on, like Renoa and Selfie and things like that and, it, and and just people who just didn't get it were gonna you know be immediately judgmental so i'm assuming you have to be kind of you know just shut that out or or what yeah and i've had people like leave really horrible comments on my pictures it's ugly and i shouldn't be cosplaying and i oh that's really frightening that photo you just sent yeah sorry oh. that's a that's a guy yeah. dressed as tifa sorry yeah that's pretty scary um but i mean i have a pretty thick skin too and it takes a lot to rile me up. I've had some really, really horrible things said to me. And you know what? If I cannot imagine the mindset of anyone. I mean, this is, I'm not just trying to butter you up at this point and flatter you, <laughs> but 
to look at those pictures, I mean, okay, you have amazing eyes. And for anyone to just look at you and go, she's ugly. I mean, <laughs> they're going to be completely brain dead in my estimation at this point. That's so very sweet of you. I, I wouldn't take any of that to heart. I, I don't. And that's the thing is that I, I mean, for example, uh, last week I had a friend message me and tell me that people on 4chan were having a debate on what kind of hair I should have. And then it, it digressed into a fight amongst people as to what hairstyle I should have. And people were sitting there spending hours photoshopping <laughs> my face with different hairstyles to prove their point because they held an opinion that my hair should look a certain way and other people disagreed with them. And these people, I mean, I didn't see the thread. This is just what my friend told me. Mm-hmm. But if, if I... I mean, people leave me horrible messages quite often, but if I can be that person that other people can entertain themselves with, then at least there's something going on in their lives because they're spending these precious moments in their lives that they will never have back debating about the hairstyle of some irrelevant girl on the Internet. (laughs) These are precious moments that they will not have back, and they are spending them arguing about me. I'm just some nerd who dressed up in costumes. Like, if I, I guess if I can provide that, that avenue of entertainment for people, then that's good enough for me. Yeah. I've come off as an asshole in the past 20 minutes. I'm so sorry. To a- anyone out there who cosplays <laughs> and is of, uh, over, uh, you know, above average weight, fair play to you, power to you. If you want to dress yeah. like Bayonetta, no problem. I'd, you know, screw those people who, are, who have any kind of problem with that. I'm, I'm yeah. so sorry, Adela. Yeah, I, I think I came we jumped like you. It, it's, no, it's just, okay. it's one of those things that does annoy me. It's just, you know, people do put their head above the parapet and mm. when you do that, people will always take a shot on you. And I just get overly defensive for people and like, like, sh- you know, for people who don't get it to just shut their mouths, you know? I, I yeah. don't want to give them any ammunition. Sorry, Tony, carry on. No, but it, it is very easy to criticise other people for different shapes and sizes, and you know, for playing different games. I mean, it, it's weird what, like you say, that what we get angry about, or what people find fascinating to, to argue about mm-hmm. on forums and the like. But it's, you know, that's why I think it's equally important just to have a podcast like this, where you know, <laughs> to equally say stand up there and and do your thing and sod what other people think. You know, as long as you're not harming anybody else's, you know, yeah, lifestyle, that's then how I feel. just go ahead and do it. Yeah. And anybody, and it's amazing how how everybody does this. Everybody looks at pictures of celebrities and of things, course, yeah. and they say, "I don't like her because she looks like this," or "I don't like her; she's annoying." You know, but that doesn't mean it. Like, like for example, I can't stand Angelina Jolie. I think she's fugly and a hoe. But <laughs> who am I to judge her? I don't know anything about her. I have no idea what goes on in her life. I don't know what her personality is like. I have absolutely no business having an opinion like that on anybody else that I don't know anything about. I just, I really don't, but yet I'm still, I still do it. And it's the same thing that people do to me. They just look at a picture of a girl online and say, I like her or I don't like her. Or they might read one thing that I say and interpret it a certain way and mm. think that I'm a, a bitch or whatever. And, you know, for example, I heard, I heard that Liv Tyler is a bitch on set. Liv Tyler, okay, maybe this rumor was perpetrated because she had an upset stomach and somebody on set said something to her and she was a little bit snippy because she wasn't feeling well and then that person got butt hurt and posted something about her being a bitch and then it turned into this and then it turned into that and now it's like this rumor that everybody thinks that Liv Tyler is a bitch on set when she really didn't do anything wrong. 
Do you see what I'm saying? Do you yeah, see where I'm going yeah. with this? There's a whole it's the exact same thing. It's not just that. It's, there's a whole culture, especially in this country, of um, magazine readers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Of I say reporters, paparazzi, just hanging around outside nightclubs, waiting for a celebrity to emerge, talking on their cell phone, and the second, like they take 50 photos of them in the space of 10 seconds, and then they find the worst one where they're blinking and look a little bit drunk, and they're like, ah, and they could just have been in the middle of uh, of going, oh my god, like that, and yeah. and then they stick that on the front cover of Heat and go, Lily Allen caught pissed outside. A nightclub, and everyone yeah, looks exactly. and judges and goes, "Wow!" I thought they yeah, they, they want to raise people up, and then they want to smash them back down again. And <laughs> it's it gets terrible. Furious because I can't stand the cult of celebrity. I just want people to be valued for what they do, not what they represent or what they look like. Oh, oh sorry, I just got managed to hit upon one of the things that really. No, yeah. it's true because I have people who judge me. For example, there's this group on Facebook, mm. and it's called. Being a good cosplayer doesn't give you permission to be a douche. And it was on it was on Facebook for a while and then I guess a couple of weeks ago the administrator of the group posted one of my photos as the group's main photo and it got people in the group all up in up in arms because half of the people were saying that I was a really nice person and to take the photo down. Oh no, she's evil, she's a bitch, whatever. Leave it up. She's a great example. And none of those people, the ones that are saying I'm nice or the ones that are saying I'm a bitch, none of them know me or know anything about me. Yet they're all spending their time fighting over this one stupid little thing. So, I mean, these people are all judging me based on just brief experiences they may have had with me or things their friends might have said or a rumor they might have read online or whatever. And yet I'm sitting here. I had I have no idea who any of them are or what I've done to offend anybody. And I've got this photo online and people are basically throwing eggs at it saying that I'm a terrible person and I have no idea you but know. if you put yourself out there, like, um, I mean, effectively like we do, and we're a, a, we're a lot less visual, we're just kind of always in the background. We've been slated for our opinions on video games before, but to actually put your face out there and to get people sort of looking at you and making assumptions, especially because they can they can hear Tony and I, they know what we're like, but from, from a casual observer jumping onto your website, they can make all kinds of assumptions about you based purely on the fact that there are hundreds of photos on there. And it's like, just because the fact that those photos are there somehow gives so many people the permission in their heads to basically make assumptions and start voicing their opinion of that person, going, what, they're a celebrity, they've stuck their head up there, they're fair game now. Exactly, and it's kind of true that that I am fair game. It's just that there's so many opinions out there about me, and it totally touches upon the subject of how I can't really blame people for having opinions on me, Mm. whether they be good or bad, when I do the same thing on real celebrities. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let's get on to... Nicer. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just didn't yeah, want to nice. talk about cosplay without addressing yeah. the hairy bits, the horrible bits, the bits that you kind of have to, you know, accept and, 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 and you can't just pretend aren't there. I want adventure in the great wide somewhere. I want it more than I can tell. I want so much more than they've got planned. So what's next for Adela or yourself? For me, uh, I've actually been working on something called The Zelda Project. Yes. And it's a project where... Here, let me send you the link. 
This is the one you mentioned earlier. Yeah, it's it's actually. Oh, uh, the uh, the guy you got to play Link, so striking. That face is spot on. Isn't it frightening? <laughs> yeah. Just stick a wig and a green hat on him, and and that's him. Yeah, it is. It, I I cast him uh, about a year, two years ago. Did he have to apply, or did you know him already, or, or I what? I have met him actually. Funny enough, he was the best friend of the guy that a friend of mine was dating. Mm-hmm. And I met him at a party uh, a couple of years ago. And then when my friends and I decided that we were going to go forward with the Zelda project, I thought, well, we can't do this unless we have somebody who's Link. And I wanted a guy who was physically in the body built and muscular but still slim. And I wanted the face to be beautiful, mm-hmm. full, effeminate in a way mm-hmm. because that's kind of what Link is. He's yeah. he's manly, but he's, like, effeminate. He's got muscles, yeah. but he's got, a, like, a kind of a girly face. So. Yes. The, the first person I thought of was this guy, and I hadn't talked to him in years, so I called him up and I said, hey, so we're doing this thing. Are you still a feminine? You better not have been working out. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, it, it gets better. Uh. So I asked him, I was like, would you be willing to basically be Link? And he was like, yeah, that'd be sick. Yeah, I'd love to. That'd be really fun. So I said, okay. So now we're actually at the point where we're getting together, and he's been... Literally at the gym every uh, day for like two hours. So he's now super ass. buff. He's super buff right now and uh, like super pretty. And he's letting us do shit to his hair like what you see in the picture where <laughs> his hair is normally brown. He's letting us basically ruin him for the sake of cosplay. And he's an absolute fantastic model. Mm. And the shoot that I told you that we're doing up north is going to be him with uh, Alondra, who's the little girl who's doing Surya. And I'm almost done with the costumes. It's actually the first thing that I've ever produced. But what we're doing is we're basically doing all of the characters in cosplay format, too. Mm-hmm. And we're doing very elaborate photo sets with um, with uh, production designers actually helping us dress the sets so that the sets are more believable. They're not just, like, locations that we've found, but they're locations that we've found and then altered in order to fit the settings of Zelda better. And then once we've finished with all the photo sets that we're doing, we're actually going to be pushing to do a short film. And we're going to try to pitch the film to Nintendo and see if they actually want to go forward with it for a Zelda movie. Because they, so far, um, have not made one. Mm-hmm. And our production designer actually read an article last year that Miyamoto said that he would like to do a Zelda movie, but he just hasn't had it presented to him in the right way with the right story. You know how Nintendo are with uh, with with their properties and jealously guarding them. Even if they didn't want to do a film, have you ever seen the uh, the Halo, uh, all of the Halo promotional stuff? Uh uh-uh. uh Okay, right. It's oh, basically the short as well, didn't they, of Zelda? Yes, yeah, they did actually. It was really quite good. Mm. Uh, it, they did an April Fool uh, trailer. I saw basically. that one. Yeah. yeah. That was it was it, it fooled a lot of people. A lot of people got really angry about it. But uh, all of the yeah. Halo stuff because because they were making the Halo movie and that they were trying to sort of get people in the mindset that Halo was a real universe. So they got the all of the uh, adverts for Halo Three and then Halo ODST and now Halo Reach. They're doing like with live actors and trying to make it really kind of gritty and realistic. And the adverts are really striking and and so much better than any actual movie of a video game that's ever been made aside yeah. from Final Fantasy Advent Children which is awesome, and Street Fighter 2. They embody the universe really well. So if, for example, uh, the Nintendo uh, you know, thing didn't work out as straightforward, like, yes, we'll let you do a movie, because they're, they're, you know, that's, that's a huge thing. They could, even, they could just go, look, we've got another Zelda game coming out to give us like a little advert, 
and we can, you know, like a Zelda short, like use that as promotional material. I don't know. I think that would be awesome. And then that could maybe, maybe go <laughs> give way to that. Because I would, I, I would love to see, if nothing else, I would love to see you as wardrobe mistress on the Zelda movie. That's pretty much what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, we're doing something similar to I, what the IGN trailer did, hmm? where it was basically a movie trailer. Yeah. Actually, funny enough, uh, Joellen knows the people who did the CG work for that Zelda trailer, the IGN nice. version, and we're going to be contacting them to work with us. And we have a lot of contacts because all of us are filmmakers here in mm-hmm. L.A. I mean, I graduated from uh, school as a costume designer, so I've worked on, on films as well. And I've just we've all been pooling together our contacts that we have in the industry to get this project going. So the only thing we need right now is to finish up uh, with the cosplay segment of it, which we're starting to do the shoots for that now. And then once we finish with that, then we're going to actually go forward with the trailer. And, hey, if Nintendo says, no, we're not interested, you know, that's fine. Mm-hmm. We're not really expecting anything out of it, but we still want to be able to produce something. Mm-hmm. And if it just becomes an Internet viral video and it makes people happy, then we've yeah. done our jobs yeah. because what we're doing is entertaining, and that's what we want to do. That's brilliant. Seriously, I, I really hope you can get far with that, and we will tr- try our absolute best to get as many people as possible watching this uh, this vid when it's finally uh, done. When are you um, projected to actually get this finished? Um, we're thinking we're looking to start shooting it next year. Um, oh God, right fun. now we're right now we're trying to find um, a director of photography. Mm-hmm. We've got production designer. I'm pretty sure that I've got a director. I haven't seen all of his work, but what I have seen. Is pretty good. Uh, we're just trying to fill in all of the key crucial slots right now mm-hmm. and generate fan interest. And once the fan interest is there, then we're actually going to start making serious meetings and working on budget so that we can actually push this. All right. Because okay. it's something that all of us are excited about and all of us want to get done. But we have basically a game plan, and it's cosplay first. Get all of the cosplay stuff over with so that people can actually see that we are doing something mm-hmm. with the Zelda project. And once we've got that finished and it's the quality that we want it to be, and use that as promotional material to put together our crew and start setting up shooting dates. It sounds like you have a great clarity of vision on the project. And was it you who actually came up with it, or, or yeah, what? Yeah, unfortunately, I'm the executive producer, which is not something I really wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Since I'm not the greatest person when it comes to uh, budgeting and being the person who distributes the money for all of the departments. Yeah. But unfortunately, I am that person, and I've been the one who's been taking care of all the legal mumbo jumbo and getting the permits and making sure everybody's department has the money they need in order to get what they need to get, like the production department, the costume department. I got to make sure that the actors are taken care of. I got to make sure that we have a place to stay, some transportation, that we've got all of our ducks in a row as far as the park is concerned. Model releases, blah blah blah. I'm the one that's taking care of all <laughs> a of that. A nightmare. A nightmare. In all seriousness, I would enjoy this as much as you possibly can because the one of the things I absolutely love most in life is working on a project with people who really care about it. That's why I love this podcast. It's why I've there. We've got a couple of other things on the side I'm trying to get done, and yeah. to, to me, that is better than the end result. And whatever happens with that, I feel like it, what I want to do with my life is just make stuff. So I, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's what we do as creative people. We, we, we create and we entertain and we share it with other people and it's fun. So yeah, 
that's I think we should story. finish up on that note. That's I think so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're going to provide links on our website to your website, and along with pictures of me in my costumes, which I'm sure our listeners will get <laughs> something of a giggle out of, uh, and uh, links to obviously your much, much better costumes and much more professional Aww. photo shoots and things like that. Uh, thank you so much for coming on Digital Cowboy, Sarah. You're welcome. I hope that I was able to shed some light on the hobby. I'm fascinated now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it. We just thought we'd we'd get someone who was like really into sort of um you know talking about costumes and making costumes and went to conventions all the time. I had no idea that there would be all this kind of extra stuff, and you'd actually like gone way beyond our expectations before we even talked to you. So uh, awesome. Well, listen up the point of all these shows. It's yeah. just to dig a bit deeper, and you know what what seems on the surface to be, I wouldn't say necessarily a shallow act, but you know just you know. Quite an act that you just kind of walk, walk past and go, oh yeah, that's that's kind of cool. Like we did at the MCM uh, exhibition, but you know, like all these things, deep below the surface, if you're really into the hobby, there's so much more. Yeah, it's, there's so much more. Every hobby has this. Everything is labyrinthine. And if you, um, I'm assuming you have quite a, a large community already, but if you feel like jumping onto our forums, I'm sure everyone there would uh, would make you feel very welcome and, and may have some questions about cosplay to sort of send to you uh, directly there. So if you want to make a thread, that will be very welcome. I'd love to. That'd be fun. Excellent. Um, oh, incidentally, what is your favorite piece of gaming music? Because we're going to close out with that one. I'm thinking something Zelda-related, probably. Yeah. It's, oh my god. I can pepper so the whole show with Zelda stuff because we've got to fill in a lot. Like two the Dark World, definitely Link to the Past, Dark World. Okay. Give me three video games that I will m- use music from, and I'll do that throughout the show. Zelda, Castlevania, and Final Fantasy. Yep. Yep. Uh, which Final Fantasy? I've got many. many. Seven. Seven. Okay. I'll Use put, like, tr- like, um, like Tragic Prince or something. Uh, you know what? I'm throwing some Beauty and the Beast in there as well, just for you. Yes. Okay. Tony and I will be back next week with a multiple part E3 spectacular. And this weekend we're going to be at Alton Towers and we'll hopefully be recording a community podcast with our listeners who we're meeting up with there. Uh, that one's going to have to wait a week until E3 is over and done with before we publish, but we're really looking forward to meeting you guys, some for the very first time. Yeah, and, and that's what you get if you come over as a forum. We haven't mentioned it in the show before because yeah, it's a forum-specific thing. If you want to be a part of the community and meet up with us and do stuff like the Orton Towers trips, we've got more planned in the future, then you have to come over to the forums at thedigitalcowboys.com forward slash forum. We're very friendly. And we will be back a lot next week. God. <laughs> <laughs> Until then, I have been Alex Shaw. I have been Tony Atkins. Once again, thank you very much, Sarah. Thank you. And happy trails to all of you.
hopes and dreams I'm for who anyone I keep them safe and sound I know these pictures Not know who's anymore 